I didn't hear your can crack. Is that, is that, is that a thing? Oh, I definitely cracked. I don't know if my mic picked it up. Huh. It's kind of a sh- it was a good crack, too. So oh, man. It's kind of a shame if the microphone I'm didn't so pick that up. I'm that I missed a good crack. You know how I love some good crack. That makes sense if you're Irish, and if you're not Irish, you're like, dude, that guy's a weird-ass perv. Anywho, uh, hello, Internet, and welcome to... Uh, I'm looking at my beer because I'm trying to pour it carefully instead of the podcast notes. Uh, that's the name of the podcast now. Sorry. Hello, Internet. My name is... Sp- I, uh, f- first, I'm going to drink, actually, because I, I fucked up the ubiquitous opening monologue, so... you got to drink for fucking up the ubiquitous yeah, and then op- opening monologue. and again before I drink. I'm pretty sure I have to drink for that, too. Anywho... Take three. Hello, Internet. My name is Spamoman. As always, your host of Drink to the Past, the only podcast where tacos are our ruler. Also, share, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications every Friday when we go live on YouTube. I am joined by co-host and or guests, which means today, Chris. Chris. Hi, I am co-host, not guest. Oh, wow, that's loud. I'm going to turn that down on my end. I'm Chris. When I win, it's my, uh, when I win, I did it, but when I lost, it's because my team dragged me down on that. That's, that's probably uh, solid, see. right? Yeah, it's, it's always the other guy's fault whenever something bad happens, right? But, you know, success is your fault. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. Anyways, uh, Chris, you're going to read the podcast notes because I had to cover up my podcast notes with Quake. So, uh... uh it's a valid reason to uh, do that. Uh, let's see. Are you drinking something stupid this week? I am drinking something stupid this week. Uh, so it's slightly getting melty here. If that's a good thing that you reminded me of it. Today on Sean Drinks Something Stupid, I have an ice cream sandwich and some Kraken. That doesn't sound that stupid. Other than, like, the ice, the sandwich part of the ice cream sandwich. It has been sitting here for like half an hour, so it's a little bit melty. But how is it? That's not bad. Some of the ice cream, like the melty bit, has just fallen into the kraken, and I think that's going to be okay for when I drink it after this. Mm. I would think it would just make the kraken that much sweeter. Yeah, it's like rum ice cream and a. Uh, Roman ice cream seemed like not yeah, a yeah, bad combination. A bit of latent chocolate from the sandwich part. Yeah. Hmm. And, uh, what you playing? So, um, yeah, other I than I started play. playing Hades this week. Ooh. Um, because that's on Game Pass now. Um, as of last week. I thought about streaming it last week, and then instead we streamed, uh, Scott Pilgrim, but that ended up being a little awkward, <laughs> but that's okay. That's that's how it goes sometimes. But, uh, yeah, so Hades, so far, I see why people really like it, even people that aren't normally into roguelikes, because it is, like, your first several runs are somewhat difficult until you kind of get your head around the mechanics, but it gives you meaningful upgrades at a consistent pace, uh, so you, you always feel like you're progressing, which can be an issue in roguelikes sometimes, I think. 
so fuck. Follows the uh, kind of the uh, what is it the up the upgrade model where it's like even if you die you get some kind of permanent uh, upgrade. Yeah, I think Rogue basically. Legacy was the same way. Because mm-hmm. huh. basically, like you collect a couple of different, like you can collect a couple of different materials to trade in for permanent upgrades as you go, um, and. Uh, you can also get, like, temporary upgrades, which are, like, blessings from the different uh, gods of Olympus. So, like, Zeus will have lightning-based buffs, and uh, Aphrodite will increase your defense and stuff, and it's you get to kind of choose between three of them, and it randomly selects three of their divine powers that they could grant you. But then, when you die, that's reset. Um, so, it's also kind of neat, because when you go through a room and you kill all the guys in it, sometimes it has a split. It's like, you can go this way or this way, and it'll show you what your prize is beforehand. So, like, if it's, like, a recovery item or a divine power, that's something that could be cool for this run. So if you really need the help to continue the run, then you might choose that. But the other direction might be, like, oh, here's some... uh, darkness crystals or whatever they are so you can upgrade yourself when you do inevitably die but then like you know so it's it's kind of interesting when you see oh i could i could choose one of these or the other so it's i think it's kind of cool for that reason uh also there's a lot of characterization which is kind of cool because basically every time you die you go back to the house of hades and you can talk to several of these different side characters and interact with them and they all kind of grow throughout the story and and have different stuff to say and you can uh unlock gear by like giving them ambrosia which is kind of neat so it has a lot kind of going on it's a good game i'm not super far in i've killed the first boss but i died so i think i need to kill the first boss again to get back to where i was no that's uh I I always uh, have mixed feelings about kind of the permanent upgrades and roguelikes, because uh-huh. I feel like, um, to a certain extent, they expect you to get them, so they make the game much more difficult to get through than they expect you to get through it with skill, and then it kind of artificially becomes easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I'm like, I, I don't know, I also like the progression, so I, I don't mm-hmm. know, mixed feelings, yeah. Having played it, I can say a certain amount of it still has to be skill. And like a roguelike, a lot of it sometimes is luck because I found that it's actually like some runs I had were a lot easier because I had, you know, the upgrade powers I got from Zeus were more efficient than a different run where I didn't get as many upgrade powers or I got different upgrade powers because it randomizes them every time. Every god has several different options and it gives you three to pick from out of their pool of I don't know how many. So uh, there is still definitely a skill and randomness element to it. So, all right. uh, I'm going to actually get into the game here also, which is Quake. I have never played this. Did I, I? I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but I did play through the PSP Final Fantasy One and finally and beat that. Oh, cool! And 
And by, you know, modern standards, a game like that's pretty quick to beat. That's only, like, what, ten hours to get through it all? I don't know, because I, I did it, like, a long time ago, and it felt like a really long time. But, I don't know. I Yeah, I think, um... I know the bonus dungeons are a lot more content, um... But yeah. the four four of the bonus dungeons are basically you go through the same bonus dungeon uh, four times, which I think is kind of shitty, uh, and then you get to fight a boss from another Final Fantasy at the end, which is like the cool part. It's like oh, I get to fight like these cool bosses from Final Fantasy three, but then yeah, I have to beat the dungeon. Cool, especially since I was like really big into Final Fantasy 4 at the time that that came out. I had just played through Final Fantasy 4 on Game Boy Advance and mm -hmm. uh, then Final Fantasy 1 and 2 Dawn of Souls came out, which is the same as the PSP version, I think. Uh, or it's very similar. And playing through and fighting the uh, bosses from Final Fantasy 4 again, I was like, oh my god, it's so cool. I loved it. The Final Fantasy 4, I know, is the, it was the other one of those games between 3 and 4, those were the two that got the 3D remakes, and I always heard good things about 4. I know that it's on Steam, or at least it was on Steam. Um, so that's one that I would pick up and experience in that. I'm, I'm not sure. I've never played Final Fantasy 4. That's one I might want to pick up, and I'm not sure whether I want to pick it up in the Pixel Remaster um, when they finally release that, or if I want to get uh, the 3D remake that has, like, the fully voice-acted cutscenes. Yeah, um, I liked the original better than the 3D one, although it's it's essentially the same game, you know. Mechanically, it's, it's identical, uh, mm. as far as I could tell. Um, it's my favorite Final Fantasy, and that's kind of saying something, because, I mean, it's Final Fantasy, right? So, uh... Final Fantasy IV is, um, I, pl I think I played every main series game up to nine at least a little bit, with the sole exception of Final Fantasy IV. Hmm. That's kind of random. I've yeah, played all of the mainline ones except for ten. Yeah, I've and not played ten. I've not played ten too. I've, I haven't touched uh, Final Fantasy fourteen enough yet to really call it playing. I created yeah. my character, but that is literally all I did because it took a while and there was a... Uh, I can jump up here. Shoot the secret door. Okay. I found a secret area. Uh, what what else have you been playing here? Um, I played some No More Heroes this week because uh, I was like looking through my games of what to play and I was like, oh yeah, uh, No More Heroes 3 comes out soon. Got that guy. I got five shells. Sweet. Okay. Um, okay, just walk into buttons. It's kind of weird. It's okay. So, does Quake have mouse look? Uh, I know Doom didn't. It, uh, at least this version does. Uh, if you'll get into our news and booze, this is the new version. Uh, so, first piece of news and booze, uh, I remember this one because it's topical because I'm playing Quake right now. Uh, Quake has been re-released for PC consoles 
uh, including PlayStation, I believe, 4 and 5, and Xbox One and Xbox Series. Um, it's at least on Xbox Series and PC, and it's on Switch. So uh, wherever you want it, you can get it for 10 bucks, or it's on Game Pass because it's Bethesda. So there you go. And uh, yeah, so I've the only Quake game I've ever played before was Quake 3, and I played it for Sega Dreamcast, which was which was odd. Super but, weird. Yeah, uh, but I remember having a lot of fun with it as a multiplayer shooter. Um, I used to play that a lot with my brothers because, you know, it was a four-player split-screen shooter back in the day, and that was, like, our, our go-to thing uh, kind of game to play together. And dogs. There's a lot of dogs for some reason. One up there. Somebody shoot me. You, you have the... I, I don't have any more thoughts about Quake. I, I, I actually know very little about Quake other than knowing of the Quake announcer because I play Dota and the Mega Kill announcer is... I, I think it's the same the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's like directly from Quake. This is acid or, yes, this is acid. Okay, do not go in the acid. Got it. Don't jump in the acid. There, and it makes a floor to cover up the acid. I wonder if that'll go away after. I bet there's a secret up here that this dog is guarding now, so I'm going to go up here. Um, but yeah, so I'm kind of excited to check this out. I downloaded it on my PC and my Xbox. It's got the addition of four-player split-screen. Uh, so, oh, I got a nail gun. Ah. Yes, this is badass. And I got nails. All right. Let's see. Oh, it has the weapon wheel like Doom. This is awesome. It's so I'm trying... At you too. I'm I'm uh, looking at the YouTube video here. It's decided it's to stop loading for me, so I don't know. Huh? That's weird. If we're still streaming. Oh, we're back. Okay. That's a. Uh... Oh, that was a nine-inch nails there. It said nin on the side there. Was that animal pickup? Yeah. Nice. Uh, let's see. Nerf Legends was announced. A new video game where you shoot a fuckload of robots with darts. Uh. Yeah, I was like, when I saw this announcement trailer, I was like, what the hell? This is like, it looks surprisingly hype. I'm like, this looks like neat. Uh, it, it doesn't look great, but I'm like, this could be kind of fun as a, a you must. It reminds me of um, kind of like those late 90s, early 2000s games that were just based on random properties mm -hmm. that were like surprisingly fun. Yeah, like the Micro Machines Racer and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's kind of interesting to find out about. Ah. Uh, let's see. Found a secret Halo... and somehow went through a teleporter. Halo Infinite will launch without co-op in the campaign mode and without Forge. Both features will come later. Co-op campaign in the second season of content and Forge in the third season of content, the late latter being predicted by 343 Industries to come out roughly six months after release. Yeah, so... Um, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this. As I have... a guy who, I was just saying, really loves four-player split-screen shooters, what the fuck? Like, I... of yeah. all of the things to not have ready for launch after you've already delayed your fucking game for a year? Like, get on your shit. Like, admittedly, 
I am happy that they are delaying it and not rushing out a pile of shit, but get on your shit. Like, if you say it's gonna launch next year, like, that is one of the most basic default things that Halo has to fucking have. What My number one complaint with Halo 5 was that you couldn't do local multiplayer of any kind. It's all one person per system, and that was fucking annoying. And I kind of expected that to be the norm going forward with Halo Infinite, but now I'm like, I'm not even getting, like, like what are they putting out? Are they putting out the campaign? I'm not 100% sure. I assume, I, I would guess, say... it's just the one-player campaign. But I don't... I feel like a co-op campaign should not be that difficult to make happen if you have a single-player campaign, right? Technically? Yeah. Like, I'm Te- not a game designer, speaking, so, like, take my words with a grain of salt. I, but I feel yeah. like that should theoretically be relatively easy in the grand scheme of things when you're designing fucking multiplayer with big matches with bots, right? Technically speaking, I I don't know, personally. I, I am a software developer, but I'm not that kind of... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not a game developer. Yeah. Um, what I will say is this shouldn't be a season pass kind of thing. They're, they're, this is just naked greed, it seems to me. Yeah. They're saying, hey, this thing you used to get for free, and, and this is the case, this has been the case for decades now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this thing you used to get to free, for free with a video game, we decided we could make more money by... Uh, portioning it out by slicing off a piece of it and selling it to you. Right. Um, and when it was things like, say, cosmetics, and they were regularly coming out with more, it's whatever. You're finding a way to profit, I guess. I'm not... But when you're cutting out what used to be core gameplay features and you're charging money for them, I think that's a scummy practice. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm not the biggest Halo fan, but mm-hmm. I, this is the kind of thing where this is not where I would start. I guess. Yeah. If I find I find out about something like this and I say, "All right, I'm just not gonna pay you any money. Mm-hmm. You're not getting you're not getting my money for half a game." Yeah. Admittedly, I guess the multiplayer is gonna be free from what they announced anyway, so. For what that's worth, I guess it's, like, kind of nice. But then, like, I feel bad for the people that aren't on Game Pass that are going to pay 60 bucks to not play a multiplayer campaign. And, it like, it's just a campaign at that point, I guess. I don't know. I don't understand how they're going to monetize this, actually. Uh, well, it's this weird is a... to offer the multiplayer for free. And, uh, yeah. This is a trial run they want to see if people will pick this up and buy it. And I bet they will. Mm-hmm. But This fucker has a chainsaw, that's not fair. I'm, I'm saying if you don't want to see this thing continue, don't buy it. If you don't want to see things like this, do not buy it. Yeah. Um, that's I mean, all I'm you can play do. It because it's Halo, and I'm yeah. poor, but I don't, I don't know that I'm going to touch the campaign until the multiplayer campaign comes out. Because... I fucking want my campaign to be multiplayer. I want to play this through with my brother who comes over, you know, 
somewhat regularly and we play Halo together or online with my other brothers or, or something, you know. I would love to, you know, have that again. You know, the feeling of camaraderie that comes from playing a multiplayer shooter together is incredible. These guys have chainsaws and a fucking rocket arm. I guess just stay out of melee and circle strafe. Apparently, yeah. Alright. Oh, I got a fucking super shoddy. Hell yeah. Go away. Uh, so, I've made, I've made my opinion. Yeah, it's kind of bullshit, but it's, it's weird, because usually when somebody announces a game delay, I'm like, alright, they'll make a better product in the end, right? That's what we all want, but, you know, at this point, it's like, that's what we want, but we also want the whole game at once. I got two rockets, but I don't have a rocket launcher yet. Got the shells. Yeah, this is oh. this yeah. is releasing without a core feature, and then when that core feature comes out, you have to pay extra money for it. I'm not a fan. Yeah. But uh, uh, then again, I'm not. You have to pay extra money for it. Okay. They, yeah, I don't. If, think you, they if you don't that. have to pay extra money for it, then yeah, I think I'm it's like... like a free update later. Is from my understanding. So yeah, if, if it's you... a, okay. That makes me that makes me feel better. In that case, I would just say wait to buy until you know the co-op comes out. If you're if you're buying it, not not if you're on Game Pass like you are. Yeah, I keep so. thinking I can't jump because I'm used to Doom, but I can. Like just playing this game makes me think I'm playing Doom, which is a good thing, but it's also kind of like, oh yeah. I mean, I can, it's... I can jump. There's more mechanics from than that, are in Doom. It's from that era. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Piece of news and booze. Pokemon presented Pokemon Presents. Uh, really? Wow. Yeah, uh, some mobile game. games are getting updates and nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't care. That was how they started and everybody was like, uh, yeah, move on to the announcements, please. <laughs> so. SP look like remakes of the originals and the fan base is still butthurt about the art style because of course they are uh legends will include regional variants new evolutions for some pokemon and you can fly around on a braviary to explore also it has a new battle system okay that's interesting yeah that actually, went from this, zero um, to 60 pretty good pretty well pretty yeah, smoothly i'm actually actually. pretty excited about uh, like we all know i was kind of excited about uh, Pokemon Legends anyway, because uh, I love fucking open world stuff, and I've been saying Pokemon should be open world for, like, fucking ever. Yes. So... You even created a Pokemon system that... Aside I from some scaling... Did. Some scaling things that happened, uh, I feel like it worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, the, the gameplay looks really cool. The battle system is a little reminiscent of Octopath Traveler, actually, because it's got, like, an initiative oh. system, and it shows, like, you're going to go next, and then this guy, and then, uh, you know, you and your opponent have different amounts of turns depending on your speed, and then you can use two different it's... battle styles. You can use any attack as a swift move or a power move or, or something. I forget what they're called. But it basically... almost has hero system initiative. Almost, kind of, yeah. Uh, so if you use, like, a move 
in the swift battle style, then it'll actually pump you up so you go more times in a round, but your attack damage will go down. And attack is the opposite. So, like, you can buff up and make your attacks do really shitload of damage, but then you won't go as often. So it looks like it's going to have that kind of interesting strat like strategic element in it. Um, so I think this looks like pretty fucking sweet. And again, it's an open world Pokemon game and you can sneak up on Pokemon and initiate battles or just interact with them or run away. And it, it fucking showed like uh, your trainers like running through an area and some Pokemon just fucking flamethrowers at you and the, the wild Pokemon are vicious. They will like they will legit try to fucking kill you. I'm like, this is actually kind of sweet. I'm excited to see more, I guess. Yeah. Um, and as for Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, um, I didn't play or the original Gen 4, but uh, I'm kind of intrigued. I really like the art style, even if, like, the collective internet is like, no, it doesn't look right. Eh. I think I have one of these, right? I have a purple so, key, don't I? I played uh, I played ah. platinum, which was the you yeah, know for for a long long time there. I'm not sure this is the case anymore, but for a long time there, Pokemon games always came in threes. It was like the two kind of incomplete versions, and then the superior version that came out like a year or two later. Yeah, uh, more or less. So. And then a remake that was essentially the same, except for an old game. Because I guess technically I did play Gen Four because I played Soul Silver. Yeah, and then we had a Pokemon battle where I sent out a uh, hack, a bunch of hacked Pokemon at you. Yeah, that was bullshit. Because that was also <laughs> a thing you could do. <laughs> uh, let's oh, see. God. Uh, so, that's all the news and booze we had. I guess we, we didn't have much in the way this time around. Mm -hmm. Uh, do we want to get into our table topic? Yeah, that sounds good, because I put the table topic first this week because we've accidentally had two streaming days in a row, because uh, yes. things happened, and yeah. the sword is going to kill me. So, yeah, uh, let's get into our table topic while I murder some dudes. Uh, all right. The table topic that for this week is: Are tabletops based off of existing properties worth it? And uh, I don't know if you have any strong opinions on this, Sean, but uh, I kind of think of tabletop RPGs based off of existing licenses the same way I think of uh, board games based off existing licenses, mm -hmm. and that because the resource is needed to make a tabletop or a board game put those together are a lot less mm -hmm. um, and you have a lot more freedom with like a simple design you don't you don't necessarily have the incentive to go with like whatever the default design of that decade is uh, right. I feel like the designers that are handed those licensed systems tend to be really creative with them. Um, 
I feel like, and, and, and oh, I, I think that's the case with Morton. Oh, don't die. There must be a puzzle in there somewhere to get out, because I got the nail gun, and then those bars came in front of the gate, you'll see there, and then yeah. the thing squished me, and now I'm dead. So, yeah, all right. Well, well that's not good. I guess I have to uh, Yep, I guess I'll drink to that. I often find that, um, what is it, designers, it seems like board game designers and, like, tabletop RPG designers, when handed a licensed property, tend to be very creative when um, making the rule sets for those games and figuring out how they play. Mm -hmm. um, and, and a lot, so much so that it's, there's a lot of, like, fan-created non-licensed games that are based off of existing properties, because this is just about licensed games. Um, that tend to uh, be very unique in uh, in kind of how they approach things. Because they're usually... Particularly those games, you can tell they're produced by uh, hobbyists who really love both tabletop RPGs and whatever um, is being produced. One that comes to mind is uh, the... Is the I, I remember the guy's name, Elemental Knight. Yeah. How, uh, the uh, yeah, Reclaim the Wild. That we played was Reclaim yeah. the Wild. Yeah. And that was a really awesome system um, based off of Zelda, obviously. Um, specifically, Breath of the Wild, but it had um, a lot of inf inspiration from throughout the series. But you find uh, tabletop RPGs. Uh, this is, might be kind of a cheat because it's based off of a war game, but. Uh, a lot of the Warhammer 40k RPGs have things like Rogue Trader, where it's just, hey, you know how the universe is so terrible and there's nothing but war and it's all grimdark? Well, uh, you're basically space merchants and you're flying around doing whatever the fuck you want, so it's like, kind of like a fun, adventurous take on an otherwise grimdark, like, setting. So, and, uh, also has, and there's also kind of, it also kind of has the space or space merchants flying around trying to sell shit and having adventures while we're doing this kind of thing going on. Uh, and does that really well. I got the Ring of Shadows. What the hell is that? Oh, what the hell is this Ring of Shadows? It makes my screen really awkwardly bright. Enemies can still see me, so I guess I'm not invisible or nothing. I was thinking maybe I was invisible, but... Does it reduce the damage you take? Maybe. I didn't... I, I haven't been looking at the damage numbers. I don't know how much damage anything does. Okay. Um, let's see. Ring of Shadows is fading. Oh. Oh. Oh, so, I don't know, Sean. What, what's your take on it? Um, I think it can be kind of a, a good uh, thing, especially if it's a case like Reclaim the Wild, where there's, uh, you know... Where, like, you have the entire thing is inspired by, you know, some existing property, and, like, every little detail is made to, you know, go into bringing you into that world. But uh, with certain tabletop RPGs, I feel like that's not necessarily the case. 
uh, because Reclaim the Wild obviously is an unofficial, inspired by Zelda kind of uh, thing, whereas there's never been like an official tabletop Zelda game, right? But yeah. Uh, so, and I feel like when, in my experience, when there has been officially licensed games they don't necessarily get somebody who's like all that like the star wars d20 system that came out uh back during the 3.5 era of dungeons and dragons was basically a modified version of d20 modern which was basically a modern version of D 3.5 which so it's, it, it was again it was a modification of a modification you know it's so I didn't think the Star Wars system really did anything particularly... Like, it, it wasn't, like, a bad system or anything, but I didn't feel like it was, you know, designed by Star Wars Real nerds or anything. Yeah, Star I, Wars enthusiasts or It didn't feel like Star RPG Wars. It felt like you're a, some kind of sci-fi hero in generic RPG land. Uh, and other ones of them have been even worse than that. Um, I looked through the official Helsing role-playing game system, which came out at some point right about that same time, and boy was that, like, it, like, was very vague and seemed to almost just imply that you should just, like, use your own rules or something. It was... It was such nonsense. And so I feel like situationally, we get these games that are like, they don't even try. And uh, sometimes we get, you know, okay, it's fine. It's like, it's, you know, inspired by this and it's really well designed and it's throwing so much homage to this. But then I wonder if it's worth it to not just create your own tabletop system and save yourself a lot of the hassle and use your own, you know, because you don't, I, again, this kind of harkens back to a conversation we had about modifying 3.5 into making it Star Wars or, or what have you. Like, that's literally what the official guys did was they modded Star Wars into 3.5 D&D. &D. Uh, so would this it, isn't is like it really better... To have an official, si oh, I didn't switch my. I need to explode the. Course. To have an official system. Yeah, instead of just like system. homebrewing something for your go-to system, because so like now everybody plays fifth edition, and I feel like you could just as easily make a fifth edition homebrew variant where it's Star Wars or Avatar or Helsing, whatever. But I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to play any of those in 5th edition, though, because I think 5th edition's design isn't set up to have that kind of back and forth in any of those fights. It's like... Sorry, what, what was the list again? It's, uh, it's like Avatar The Last Airbender, and it's just... You're, you're not taking wax at each other's big bag of hit points there. Uh, and having 
I was like, how would you model the bending? That's a whole other thing. Just so it's classes. So I I guess my exception to what I said, and it's kind of is, and this was really bad in the D twenty era when everything was based off of three point five. Yeah, is that um, licensed games that are doubly they're like doubly licensed in that they're also like a version of a pre existing tabletop game. Just they tend to be like not bad. I wouldn't say bad, but kind of mediocre. Uh-huh. Kind of like you're right. Why why not just homebrew it? Yeah. And I think that's not the case for uh, when mm, the tabletop RPGs are ooh zombies. I think that tends to not be the case when um, the designers allowed to come up with their own mechanics to fit uh, the property. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm thinking of um, there, there was like a Doctor Who RPG where initiative order was resolved and like whoever wanted to talk first got to talk and then it was like fighting went last um, and I always I thought I, I haven't played it I haven't read it but I oh. just, just reading about it I thought that was an interesting mechanic I don't I know if you that saw alone. that, but uh, I thought the roof was going to come squish me again, so I was shooting at random, trying to find the, like, secret switch to shoot or something, and then the floor just, like, stopped, and it it, <laughs> it opened up and didn't squish me. I was like, oh, fuck, I wasted all those damn bullets. Oops. Oh, and then I was fucked by a monster. Oh, I don't want that to happen. Yep. It is yeah, that... Having an initiative order just determined by the kind of actions the person wants to take because it supports kind of the fiction, where it's like Doctor Who, everyone always talks first. Fighting is like always kind of like the last thing that happens. Mm-hmm. It's I, I like that. I think that's a good yeah. approach. I want to see more stuff like that. Um. And obviously, there are far more like fan-made RPGs based on pre-existing properties, and a lot of them just kind of kick ass. Mm-hmm. There's like, I want to say at least a dozen, if not more, like Final Fantasy v- versions of tabletop Final Fantasy, and they're all like individually like showing off an impressive array of like, ideas. That's true. So, for a Final Fantasy, there's actually a lot of ways you could go about that. Uh, so, would I got a question for you? Uh, if you were interested in running or playing a Final Fantasy tabletop game, um, would you rather homebrew your own content or make take the risk of like buying an even if it was an officially licensed one, a Final Fantasy role playing game? And then run the risk there of, like, it's not based off of the Final Fantasy you want it to be based off of. Or it's not really written the way that you would think of Final Fantasy being written, mechanically or otherwise. So, that's... The, the funny thing about you asking me about that one specifically is I have, I want to say, three or four different versions of... Di- different, totally different tabletop 
Final Fantasy systems sitting somewhere on my various hard drives. Uh -huh. um, and I really like two of them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think they're all like they're all like good in their own way. Right. I, I, I think all of them have like something worth picking up, but there's two of them where I'm like, this is what I would use for like the core mechanics to make it feel like Final Fantasy. And then I might like incorporate other elements. I, I, I would homebrew shit together because that's like kind of in my blood. Right. Uh, but I, I would say there are two that I would be pick up and I would be like, I could hand them off and I could say, yeah, this is representing Final Fantasy as I kind of want it to be represented. Uh, mm -hmm. And then I might take a few of those other mechanics from uh, the, those uh, other systems. And I know one version in particular had a website where they said, oh, is, does this not look like the Final Fantasy, the version of Final Fantasy you wanted it to look like? Um, well, here's just a shitload of optional rules that lets you change things around. It's like, do you want Materia instead? Or, like, Magicite from Final Fantasy VI? Uh, do you want class changing, like Final Fantasy V or Final Fantasy III? Uh, do you want do you, do you want like a main class and then like a subclass that people like train it? it it's it's all it's all very interesting. It's like they put a lot of effort and like thought into this. Mm -hmm. I don't know That's if that answers cool. your question. Um, I mean, close enough. Because, uh, yeah, um, I guess that's kind of interesting, because I've played... I've looked at a lot of Final Fantasy RPGs, and I've played one, and all of them were kind of different, and all of them were like... Like you said, all of them were good. They're good tabletops. I wasn't, like, offended that I played them. Um, but I'm not sure that any of the ones that I have played really justified, like, or looked at, really justified... I'm trying to find the secret. I'm, I'm close. I'm, I'm sinking it. I think. Maybe. Can't see through this water, which is annoying. But can't find it. I'm going to move on. I'm bored. Uh, but... But yeah, it's like everyone that I've kind of looked through, I've been like, this is neat, but it, it feels like fan-made if, and I could make something that feels fan-made, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so if I you're... wouldn't have to spend money on it, in theory. So, obviously, they're not allowed to, like, sell any of those. Right, yeah. Like, legally, Square Enix is gonna fall on their ass mm -hmm. for doing something like that. Um, but if you're, like... I just want to make my own thing. I mean, that's kind of... I'm I'm in that boat, too, where I'm like, hey, this is, like, a cool thing, but it doesn't do things exactly how I want it, so I'm just going to homebrew my own. Uh, and that's how I ended up... That, that's how a lot of, I want to say, your and mine systems came about is we were just not happy with the way things were done elsewhere and we're like all right let's uh, change these things yeah that's why i made a 
badass Pokemon system that accidentally ended up being like three and a half editions later turned into a superhero RPG somehow. <laughs> uh. Let's see. It's a lot of the fan-made content is just it makes me feel better that like just knowing that it exists kind of that someone mm -hmm. went out there and tried it. Yeah. And I'm not course, saying uh, like we shouldn't support like indie creators because obviously indie creators make some really ridiculously awesome stuff. Uh, yeah. but Particularly, I've been seeing things like lately where it's like, oh, check out this uh, really cool unofficial uh, avatar was one, uh, like an avatar RPG. And I'm like, that's like a neat idea, but I feel like if I was going to run an avatar game, I would just homebrew some classes for D&D. That's how I would do that. I don't feel like it's necessarily the kind of thing that justifies having a full system made after it, if that makes sense. Uh, I th I think with Avatar, it's kind of the fighting wouldn't feel right for a, a huge portion of the levels in D&D. So I, I think you need to... Uh, obviously, it's like you can kind of make everything work with everything, but I think you'd want to, like... Mm. You'd have to. You'd have to really. Right. I think. Um. Let me see. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things where it's like, yeah, you could just use, you could just use D and D or like use a D and D base for this. Why not? Just do that. There's that thing again that I thought was going to squish me. <laughs> Sorry, I got a random Discord call just as I was talking there. Alright, uh, say hi. Let's see. Are tabletops based off of existing properties worth it? Yes. Ah, why is it singing? <laughs> it goes back down, it's an elevator. I, I never figured out the backstory of what what's going on. I don't know. Uh, like there's monsters and I gotta shoot them. I guess that's all I've managed I, to figure out. Is that it? I I guess I don't know. It I mean I know like have an intro cutscene or anything. I mean I know like Doom guy is like on Mars and then Mars got invaded by Hell. Yeah. Like, maybe it's something that was in the instruction manual that I didn't read. I don't know. Uh, how do I get this elevator to go back? Uh, do you have any more thoughts on this? Um, not specifically. I think they can be a really cool thing, but sometimes I guess you gotta kind of... Uh... Oh, that's how I get back up there. It's a teleporter. And I killed that guy. All right. Which is good, because I'm almost dead. Sweet. That is good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just, I guess they can be a good thing, or they could be, like, it, it might not be worth it, depending on your tastes of RPGs, because personally, with RPGs, I feel like I'm happy homebrewing 
D and D content for almost any kind of thing. Uh, I have homebrewed D and D content for all sorts of crazy shit. For uh, like I said, Star Wars, uh, Pirates campaigns, uh, Halo. Uh, the first time I ever DM'd was actually uh, a game that I I reeled up some homebrew rules for guns and me and my brother played Halo as a tabletop. And it was just Actually, 3. Sounds 5 like, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so I, I guess I'm not as picky on that. Like, mechanically, it can be D&D, and I think it can still be just as good. Or, or it could be whatever you have, because... Like, currently, actually, the tabletop that Chris and I are working on, sort of vaguely occasionally, is, uh, you know, kind of tooled to be able to be anything. It's a very malleable system. And, yeah. you know, so I feel like if you have a go-to system, whatever it is, be it D&D or, I don't know, what are, the, what are all the cool kids playing? Call of Cthulhu? Uh, World of Darkness? Well, you know, you can... I- you could homebrew rules for World of Darkness to make it a lot of different things as well. I, I haven't actually played Call of Duty. Been done. No there is a yeah. World of Darkness uh, fan-made source book where uh, everybody plays Magical Girls. So uh, it it's called Princess the Hopeful. Uh, it's it's made to. That's one of the inspirations for it. Nice. Um. Uh, and. So yeah, that that's a thing that exists, and you can check that out. And uh, it's something I'm ridiculously happy exists. There's actually two versions because the developers got in a fight over it and didn't like the way the other developer was doing things. So, huh. that's kind of funny. Uh, so yeah, twice as much on display there. Uh. I, I, I've got my pickiness about um, how things come together in media, but that has to do with making it feel like true to source material, I guess. Uh-huh. And then when someone's just making their own game based off their own thing, I think it's easier to come up... I, I think in, it's easier to just go with whatever mechanics. Mm. It's like a whole sunken ship down here. Can I just breathe forever? I don't have like an oxygen meter or anything. Your vision go progressively more blue. I'm looking at the YouTube video, so I don't know. I know. Oh, you got the bio suit. That probably oh, has something to do with it. it. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I probably have. Uh, like a... Shall we move on to our video game topic? Yeah, that would be fine. For the video game topic here, uh, just what are the best open world games ever? Uh, well, I I know what's going to be on the top of both of our lists, I think. Mm -hmm. Is it going Uh, to be Rage 2? I was not expecting Rage 2, but... That's not at the top of my list, but that's, like, I feel like that's a kind of a solid, underrated game. Uh, I really liked it. I think the exploration in a crazy, violent first-person shooter is unique, and, uh, 
yeah, I, I think it was it was a decent game, and, and I don't know why people hate on that game so much. Like, that's not my favorite game of the generation, but it's like, it's good. I got a fucking triple barrel shotgun. <laughs> this is the best game ever. Okay. Rage 2 wasn't a game I... It's a game I know almost nothing about, so... Yeah, it kind of flew under the radar, I feel like. I never, like... I barely heard about the first Rage. And then when Rage 2 came out, I was like, huh, open world shooter... Okay, that sounds kind of neat. I like open worlds. I like shooters. Bethesda makes decent uh, both of those. Wait, this isn't... What is this? This isn't a triple-barrel shotgun. It's shooting my nail gun nails, I think. So I guess it has it's four like barrels. different nail gun? Uh, more powerful nail gun. I guess. Huh. Neat. Uh, let's see. Best open-world games ever. So, sh should I name the obvious one? Uh, you could name one of the obvious ones. I feel like there's a handful of obvious ones, especially if you follow us. Well, I mean, Breath of the Wild, come on. Yeah. Uh, Breath of the Wild is just so great. Yeah. Uh, do you want to, do you want to praise the shit out of this game first, or should I? <laughs> uh, I'll praise the shit out of this game. It's just, uh, one of the, it's classic Nintendo polish at work in terms of they mm. took a concept of the open world game and they made everything that was kind of janky about it or clunky except for rocket degradation that's uh, that, that's still a point of contention but yeah uh, all the all the other things they kind of made it uh they they integrated it in a pretty close to seamless way it's like Oh, uh, ta the tower that you go to get your map on, uh, well, you actually have to find a way of getting up there, and it doesn't just vomit quest stuff into you, it just displays the surrounding area, and you still have to look around for stuff. And it's like, oh, quest design. No, you don't have a shitload of flags hanging around other than the one big flag over the castle that sells go that says go kill Ganon. Yeah. There's no artificial quest line you have to follow. It's... Once you are out of the tutorial area, you can just run to Hyrule Castle and kill Ganon if you're good enough, which you probably aren't. Uh, but it's yeah, it's I, a possibility. I've done that. It's fucking hard. Okay. Uh, I I went to do it first, and then I realized because of the breakable weapon system, I actually had to go grind weapons for a while, so I had enough arrows to kill him. Oh, yeah, because you have to do the stunning. So, that's a thing you can do. Um, it just doesn't place restrictions on you in the same way a lot of other open-world games do in kind of an artificial way, because they're not completely committed to the open world, it seems. Yeah. Uh, one thing I really love about this game is that there is no incorrect way to play it, which is a thing with some, uh, open world games, or, or just some games in general. There's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things, and you can, you can do whatever in Breath of the Wild, and it's, it's, it's right, whatever it is. Yeah. You know. 
there is you know you can you can just explore you can go through the story quests one by one you can you know just grind a bunch of mushrooms and and make stamina potions and and walk to the top of mountains naked for the hell of it you can get every korok seed you can long past the point where korok seeds are useful and you'll get a golden poop in return yeah isn't that what you always wanted the only truly artificial constraint in the game is that you can't 100% it in a naked run. Uh, because when you talk to the guy who takes your Korok seeds, he just laughs at you for being naked. <laughs> I have i don't think I've ever talked to Hestu naked. That's hilarious. And that's another thing that I love about this game is that every person that ever plays it will have a totally unique experience to them and the way that they play games because they will think of things differently than I will. I will think of things differently than like Chris will, right? No matter who you are, you're going to examine things the way you examine things and things are going to pop out to you more that might not pop out to somebody else. I can't get out. I can't get out. Fuck, fuck shit. Okay. Hold on. Okay, you fuckers are getting nailed on. Fuck you. Go away. Fuck you. Fuck you. Be dead. Alright. And a grenade. Let's fuck you. Ah, shit. There we go. Fucker. Eh, that was that was a little intense. But part of the story is Breath of the Wild is great. Um but, I will say, it is my favorite open-world game, because the gameplay is so well-integrated with the open-world, but I don't think it has necessarily the best world. It has a fantastic fucking world, and if exploration is all you want out of it, it, it probably has the best world. But, uh, one thing I do love about other games sometimes is their, you know, world building, uh, putting lore into the story quests and into every little random person you find, and making it feel cohesive like a real living, breathing world, and I think no game has ever done that nearly so well as Elder Scrolls Three: Morrowind. I think not just the size goes into that game being fucking great, but also the amount of detail in the quests, the fact that, like, y you like you have to pay attention and actually listen to directions, because people will give you directions like, go down the road and turn left at the next signpost you get to, and then go until you see a, a cave on your right, and then the bandits are camped uh, over the next two hills, or, you know, some crazy shit like that. And you have to actually kind of follow these directions. And you, it keeps a good enough journal that it's not, like, overwhelming to, to do that. You can always reference that. Yeah, yeah, you can always go back and be like, okay, what were the exact directions? So it's not like, oh, I literally have to go talk to that guy again or something, or, or I have to remember it because the dialogue only happens one time, some shit like that. That that would have, you know, kind of been a big boner in the middle of the game. Um, but, yeah, uh, I just love exploring that world even more than 
exploring Breath of the Wild. I think the only thing that could make Morrowind a better game is admittedly better combat. Because the combat is, like, it was okay at the time, but it has really not aged well, and it wasn't it wasn't great at the time. Uh, it was, um... It was it, something that you put up with because the world was so fucking fun to explore. It was the old-style Elder Scrolls thing where you both had to physically hit your enemy with your weapon, and then you had to roll a percentage chance to hit based on, like, your weapon skill or whatever. Yeah. So you could miss even if you were, like, hitting them in the game. Yeah. Which... Uh, I'm glad they did away with that in Skyrim. You're grinding different weapons was really difficult sometimes because it's like I played a big, you know, Nord sword. That's what I always play in Elder Scrolls. And so I was really good with two handed swords. So I could hit stuff pretty, you know, consistently enough that it worked out. And then later I tried to, like, I got an axe in a dungeon or something. And I was like, oh, this should work. It's a big two handed axe. But in that game, also every individual type of weapon was a different skill. So you didn't have just two-handed weapons. You had two-handed axes, two-handed spears, and two-handed swords as separate skills. So I was great with swords, and by this time, I'm like, I, I hit pretty much every time, right? And then I found this axe. I was like, all right, this is awesome. And I went up to a, like a fucking skeleton or something. I'm like, miss, miss, miss. Your skill has gone up to two. Your skill has gone up to three. I'm like fuck i'm so screwed and i've like almost died until i was like oh wait i could just pause re-equip my sword and now i'm like i killed him in like two hits uh so that that was kind of an issue especially if you wanted to like 100 percent the game max out every skill and whatever that yeah i will say in terms of yeah what you're saying in terms of world design for morrowind makes sense and what you're saying in terms of like game design of Oh, you just continue to miss with your two-handed axe. Yeah. Um, also makes sense. I, I never was a fan of that in, uh, in any of the old Elder Scrolls. The missing, even though you're visibly hitting mm. kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, for how the game was designed, it wasn't like a ridiculously terrible mechanic, but especially coming from modern games to that, especially like Breath of the Wild to that, it's just like, it feels really not very good. It's now the medicine. time is, is now the time when I lay out some of my favorite uh, I, um, Dwarf Fortress. Uh-huh. Particularly Adventurer Mode. Uh, because seriously, what other game uh, creates an entire world from scratch, simulates that world's history up to whatever year you specify, and then let you see you incarnate as a member of one of that world's cultures, and then go around using, like, procedurally generated items that came from that world that would have been made from, like, the materials that culture had access to, and fight, like, the various, like, demons and titans and, like, Cyclopses and cave ogres and shit um, around there while you're like, oh, I found a field of artichokes, so I'm just going to steal these out of like a farmer's fields and then ask him how he feels about the king, tell him I planned to kill the king, tell him I killed the king, have the king, have the farmer tell me out on killing the king as a lie, and then, you know, like, 
get infected with vampirism and then vampirize that farmer. Kind of shit. Mm -hmm. It's, uh... It's, what, it's one of the best open-world games, not because of convenience of use, because God knows it's not a convenient game to play. Mm -hmm. um, wow, you are very low on armor. I'm out of armor. You are completely out of armor. Yes. Um, I'm full on health. So it's a great open-world game because it feels like you're actually making an the world came from somewhere and the things in it make sense and you're actually affecting the world when you do stuff in it. Yeah, that's kind of neat. That helps. Because there's a lot of kind of RPGs where you can affect the story or whatever, but the world as, as a world is still the same as it ever was. Yeah, as it ever was. Same as it ever was. There is water the at the bottom of the ocean. And the days go by. <laughs> Thank you. Good old talking heads. Yeah. Uh, do you have an another open world game in mind here? Um, yeah. A little underrated classic called uh, The Legend of Zelda. You know, as much as we tout yeah. 3D open worlds as kind of, like, when you think of an open world game, you're thinking of Elder Scrolls, Fallout, you know, something like a big 3D adventure in a big, sprawling landscape, but one of the best open world games was the original Legend of Zelda. Uh, it's, like, it's fun to just explore that world to this day. Uh... You know, a handful of archaic mechanics, like, you know, uh, shooting, uh, burning every bush to try and find a secret. That, that, that's, that could have been done better, but, you know, that was how games were at the time, so it's, yep. it's not really an issue, right? I mean, it's, it's oh, not something you'd see in that's a modern game, but that's because a lot of, we expect hells and secrets and for secrets in modern games, and that just wasn't the expectation back then. Yeah. Because that secrets were... Giant had no oh. indication, so you had the to be actively checking for them. Okay, where's my rocket launcher? Because I've been collecting rockets throughout the entire fucking game. And now I finally got a rocket launcher. Woo! Oh, fuck. Damn. fucking boss arena too yeah but uh i i would like actually to see more uh 2d open world games uh you know we've had obviously the original legend of zelda was fucking great um and i can't think of a lot of other ones a link between worlds was kind of open world but i don't get handled it the best way ow that was a random ass weird like spike burst it's awkward but it, it was it was a good game but uh i think just a handful of the mechanics didn't land for me personally although i feel like people a, a lot of people in the zelda community talk about that game way more highly uh than i do so 
And it's it's far from a bad game, you know. Zelda games are rated on a scale of 8 to 10, I know say. Except for Zelda 2. That's, that's the exception. That proves it real, right? But, um... Yeah, I think the idea of a 2D open world game is just... There's something really super cool about that. That you can just go anywhere and explore anything. And, you yeah. know... I feel like some 2D... Ow, fuck. Man. Just lots of guys are in this level. But... I think the closest I've come to feeling that in another 2D game was uh, Final Fantasy 1. Uh, to bring it back to that. I feel like back in the day, just exploring the world, even though technically it's a linear path through the whole story, every time you got a new upgrade to your traveling... It felt like, oh my god, the world just got so much bigger, uh, especially in comparison to other games at the time. Because when you're starting to run around, you're like, all right, there's a town here and a dungeon here, and there's a secret area you can go to to visit Matoya's cave, which is useful later in the game. And that's that's all you can explore at the first. And then they build the bridge, and then you're like, all right, well, I can go to this town, I can go up here to another secret area, and then you go to the town and then you get the boat, and now you're like, okay, I can go to Elfland, I can go to the Dwarf City, I can go all over the place. And it's just, it opens it up so much more again. And then later on you get the canoe and you can go in rivers and then you get the airship and you can go fuck anywhere. And it's, yeah. each one of these things goes into it to make, just make the world feel so much bigger than it did, you know, before you got that upgrade. And I think the feeling of exploration has never been that good in another Final Fantasy. Uh, so I will say Final Fantasy One. It does. It does kind of set out the pattern of like progressively, um, like unlocking exploration options. Like, oh, now you have the boat, so you can visit all these new areas. Oh, yeah. now so it's kind of almost Metroidvania y. Yeah. In that sense. Um, and that you're unlocking new ways to visit those areas, but it is also kind of unique in that um, outside of it, it does a lot less to force you into an order than pretty much any other Final Fantasy game yeah. in terms of like places you need to visit. Also, um, you mentioned Matoya, and now I'm just thinking about Matoya getting that rat tail suit for a Bahamut suit. And I'm like, that wasn't a thing in the game. Those characters did not interact. Right. I just read too much 8-bit theater. Uh, that was great. My favorite part was, like, where they met Matoya and Fighter asks for the... Ow! What? Fuck. There are monsters in this hole. <laughs> there are monsters everywhere. There are. That, that seems to be how Quake works. But... Uh, yeah, my favorite was when they go to Matoya and uh, Fighter asks for the armor of invincibility. And she's like, oh, yes, I have the armoire of invincibility. And it's a big fucking wardrobe that he has to sit in and it's invincible. And then they leave and she's like, I wonder if he meant the armor of invincibility. No, he, he would have said something. <laughs> it's just like, it's fucking great. Ape Theater was surprisingly faithful to like 95% of the plot of Final Fantasy for as much ridiculous bullshit as happened in it. Yeah. 
Uh, which, I, I don't know if that just goes to show how simple the plot of the original Final Fantasy was, or... Just... I don't know. I'm getting off topic. That's yeah, okay. I mean, would it really be drink to the past if we didn't get off topic? No, no it wouldn't. Ooh, I'm feeling like woozy. You getting too drunk? I'm about like I'm about to pass out. That's not good. Uh, let's see. I think I have one more. I got like a lot of games in mind. Right. Yeah. But, uh, There's a lot of one... great open world games, aren't there? Yeah. One more game wow. I'd wanna. Uh point out, I think, is probably Fallout 2. Hmm. And I had to choose between that or Baldur's Gate. Um, but Fallout 2 is kind of... You really can just go into a high-level area from the beginning of the game after you get out of the tutorial area. Sound familiar? Mm-hmm. But, um you are rewarded for going to the high-level area if you survive. Because you can pick up some strong endgame like weapons and armor there. Hmm. That's cool. If you just run far enough south. And, you know, don't die to the incredibly deadly random encounters that are that way. And it also has a bunch of, like, quests you can do that are kind of, they didn't start the whole um, fall, like, modular ending of Fallout, um, but I felt like that's kind of when it started to really flourish with Fallout, was you doing, being able to do those quests. Mm -hmm. And uh, them changing the ending for entire locations in the game, depending on how you did them. Mm-hmm. So that's, in terms of just world impact, that was a great thing to see. Did you ever play Fallout 2? I did not. I uh, I have the first Fallout installed on my PC, and I've been meaning to get to it because uh, it's on Game Pass. And I think Fallout 2 is also, but I thought I should uh, experience the original original first and, and then go through some of the other ones, because uh, I've played Fallout 3 and New Vegas are actually the only ones I've played, and I really, really love both of those. Uh, although Fallout 3 obviously wasn't an open-world game so much as a... It was it was a good world, but it was it was largely a... It was, it was a Very lot more linear. Yeah. Uh, so progression. Was, which is fine. For what it was doing, it was like, it's still good. I'm, I'm not mad about it. But, uh, yeah, I really like Fallout New Vegas is another game, actually, I could brag about for a long time about being a great open world, because I just had so much fun just, like, occasionally doing quests for the NCR, but mostly just, like, wandering around, like, finding cool, weird shit and and killing bad guys and monsters. Yeah, New Vegas is another really great example of that. Yeah, that's uh, uh, that's what Bethesda do good. Oh, in this case, I would say thank you, Obsidian, for taking Bethesda's uh, 
engine and producing like a great open world game with yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am also. I'm also not feeling like very physically well, so I'm I'm pretty man to like what I'm able to do on the podcast here. Okay, well in that case, I Sorry suppose we can uh, move on to our final segment of the podcast, where we talk about inane bullshit until somebody says something really awkward, and then I cut it off. So uh, All right. let's do that. Nope, yeah. I have to uh, I'll tab out here, so I'm I'm ready to actually uh, <laughs> cut off and the podcast. The, Cut off the podcast yeah, here. Because my mouse is, if I'm in the game, linked to actually controlling my guy. I've actually been playing this with my Xbox 360 controller this whole time uh, on my PC, which uh, the that's one of the things that they added in this version is better controller support. Because I, I don't know, I've never played the original, but apparently that was uh, that was a bit of an issue. Because it was, you know, it was originally made for PC back in 96... And, you know, controller support on PC wasn't really a thing. Uh, so the console version, it, it runs great. I, I am having a great time playing this with just a regular controller. I, I'm not really much of a mouse and keyboard gamer, uh, so I'm sure that works pretty good too. But uh, yeah, it, it works, works really good on the controller, uh, which is funny because actually I did play Quake 3, like I said, also with a controller, but it was super weird because I played it on Sega Dreamcast, which, if you remember, did not have twin sticks. It, it had one stick. So it had one stick and had the D-pad. Yeah. And had those weird but, but memory those were, cards that went in the controller. Yeah, that those were neat, though. But, yeah, the, the D-pad and the stick were on the same side, though. They were both on the left. So the control scheme that they had by default was actually a southpaw variant where you would move with the a b x and y buttons and you would look around with the analog stick which is backwards from how most gamers do it with like some people do it like that anyways my brother does like weird um but yeah it's it was and like going after i started playing halo going back to that was really hard because it was backwards to me uh but so I tried, I think you could customize the controls, and I tried doing it like you look with the buttons and you move with the stick, but that was really awkward because you really need, you know, more precision in your movement, which you get out of the analog stick than you do out of the the buttons. So I, I put it back whenever I did go back to that game, because Quake 3 on, on Dreamcast was actually a really, really a whole lot of fun. So I'm I'm excited cool. to get back into into the original Quake. I and because yeah. I've been playing shooters for forever, and this is is one of the most iconic ones that somehow I've completely skipped. And now I'm like, sweet, it's here. I'm checking it out. Like, what is it's the here. backstory of Quake? I don't know. Are you uh, gonna look it up? <laughs> I would look it up, but I need to take a monster shit. That is a fair fair thing to do. Every now and then. You gotta take a monster shit, and and so you just, you just take a monster shit. Sweating brown over here. 